I think when women actually are in a place where they are set up to succeed and they have empowering people around them and Mm -hmm. they are best version of themselves because they're choosing their way forward. I mean, that's when they come and they're flourishing. And I think we can only bring those best versions of ourselves, be that what it may, when we are thriving, not just surviving. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. As always, I'm really happy to have you listening. Today on the podcast, I talk with Casey Let Gordon and Katie Mullins, and they are the co-founders of It All Media. And we really have a conversation about what it actually means to have it all, the challenges and tension that women experience when trying to pursue having it all, and the power of women defining what it all means to them. We talk about trusting your intuition. We talk about self-worth journeys, and we really explore what it looks like like to show up to your life when you're no longer sort of trying to prove that you're worthy. It's a really rich conversation that we have, and I know that you're going to get so much out of it. So tune in and be sure to listen to the end. So I am really grateful to have Katie Mullins and Casey Let Gordon on the podcast today, and they are co-founders best friends, storytellers, and even neighbors. In January 2021, they created It All Media, which is the number one destination for modern women redefining, quote unquote, it all. They exist to document new narratives, amplify women's voices, facilitate a movement of women who support and protect one another, and ultimately break down in order to rebuild systems that don't serve women. So Katie and Casey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you. I love it. it, That's maybe the first time I've heard it read back to me as I'm sitting here. I'm like, yes, we are. Yes, let's go. And then I realized the copy editor in me was thinking, wow, we might want to cut that down a little bit because that's a lot. That's a lot to fit in. So I loved it. And also taking notes. Well, it did. I didn't think it was actually that long because there's definitely longer bios. And I think it's a good sign if you're listening to the description of what y'all are doing and you're like, yes, like we're doing it. That's great. I I love that. I love that as a response. Well, I want to start our conversation the way I start basically all of my conversations with guests on the podcast, which is asking each of you to share a bit about your own self-worth journeys. Sure. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, like, when I first actually was thinking about that, I was like, you know, I think I'm very much still on my self-worth journey. I think that is ongoing. I think that that is 
at different points in my life, I felt much stronger and more secure about my own self-worth. And there's been um, many points of weakness throughout that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I was reading a bit of your bio and I very much relate to the overachiever perfectionist and idea that if I show up perfect in every circle and for me, work, career, education, that was such a big part of my identity until mm-hmm. I had something else that, that kind of shook that ground. So for me, grew up was the first of my immediate family to get a four-year education, mm-hmm. um, carried the opportunity and the weight of that, of this is your chance to go up there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I hustled the first 10 years of my career. It was promotion, promotion, promotion. The title after my name was very much tied to who I was and how valuable I was, the money I made, the fact that I was a breadwinner in my family. Like these are all things and they're amazing, right? They are, they're absolutely things to be proud of, but it was in 2020, um, 2019, I had my daughter, she was six months old in December. So 19 going into 20 and all the things that previously had been my armor of self-worth, I was not able to, and didn't want to Mm. show up in the same ways. And Mm -hmm. the catalyst for starting the company for me was I was driving home six months postpartum. I'm a senior vice president, making more money than I had ever made, had the husband, the house, the dog, Mm. the yard, like, you know, the whole thing, it all things, hence the name of the company (laughs) and wanted to drive my car off the road. Mm. I felt like I say that, I don't know if I wanted to kill myself, but if I could hurt myself bad enough that nobody would expect Mm. anything of me, that'd be good. And Mm -hmm. then I thought, what the hell are you doing? You would not want your daughter living that life with that kind of pressure. And who gave that to you? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I may have borrowed this pressure and these narratives from other people, but at the end of the day, I, the buck stops with me. And I had to say, is that a pressure you want to sustain? And what is it that you really want? Where are these coming from? That is about five minutes that I gave you worth of like years of therapy is yeah. like dwindled that down for you. But so similar to Katie, I think we're both very much, I think that women in general, this, this journey with self-worth, we are always on it. But for me, it was a very episodic visceral moment in 2019 that, that started that in early days, Katie and I did a show on it around this concept of do, would you rather be adored or respected? Mm, mm. Um, it was in like a Myers-Briggs or something. And mm. the first question was like, you know, would you rather be respected? Like, yes. And then it was like, or adored. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'd rather be adored. And mm. over this journey, for me, it has been the shifting from adoration to respect. That mm. is really self-worth. Um, I don't know if you have anything to build on that. That That's my two sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in, in our conversation around this, so my background comes from nonprofit and I feel like so much of what for loose for the last decade and so much of what they ask for you is we need you to be everything wear every hat for as little as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's your badge of honor. Yes. And that's your badge of honor truly. And I'm a very mission driven person. And so with, with that, I think it has caused me particularly in like financial situations. Like when I went out on my own to start consulting, um, I really did not value myself at what I should have for my level of experience. So struggling with that. And I've also been somebody who has always been self-assured, but not always confident Mm. Um, that there is a difference. I, um, I have an inner knowing I am not easily shaken. I know who I am at my core, 
but it, I can walk into a room and get rattled because mm. uh, someone might question why I'm in that space. And I think, oh no, I shouldn't be here. Um, mm. Or am I enough to be here in this space? And so um, it's a little bit more short term and short lived with that confidence. But, you know, cause I'm always questioning, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I do think like, you know, the self-assuredness and there is a difference. I think when people are like, oh, she's such a confident person. I want to be like, no, not always. <laughs> yeah. but, and mm-hmm. I would say that I probably emulate or give off more of that confidence, but lack the assuredness, right? I can mm. walk into the room with the facade shoulders back and tell you what I think you want to hear and, and emulate that or, you know, bring it. But then behind the curtain, I'm sitting there thinking, like, am I enough? And mm. that so much of this business of entrepreneurship, you probably know this in building businesses, it's confronting those demons. There is no mm-hmm. external validation. There's not a paycheck. There's not an employee review. Mm-hmm. There's not, we were just laughing about PTO. Like there's none of that that are mm-hmm. the reinforcement cycles. And the business is an expression of ourselves. And so yes. like we are the business and we didn't expect that, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be really hard. And I was like, sure, both of us are really hard workers. We've got this. We'll be fine. Late night. Sure. I do that now. Like, you know, but it's not, it's personal growth at its extreme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, you know, that was definitely something that I, I personally did not see coming and nah. has been so, such a- leaves me crying in the corner of those days. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you all, there's so much that you're sharing that I want to unpack. I think sort of starting at what you just shared, I think, you know, it's so easy to recreate the overworking, the toxicity, the overwhelm, the chaos of employment situations of jobs that you didn't like in your business, if you're not careful. And so it really does require us, you know, as entrepreneurs to think about what do we want this to be like? Because If it becomes chaotic, if it becomes that we're sort of working all the time, if it becomes all of these things, we really cannot, nobody else is to blame but us, right? It now is all our responsibility. When we work for someone else, we say, oh, my boss is this, or the organization is that, or they just blah, 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 blah. And it's sort of easier to sort of pass off the blame. Mm -hmm. But when we carry, like, for me, it's been thinking about overworking, right? Like when I carry my overwork tendencies into my business, that's, I'm only, I'm the only one responsible. I'm the one creating the deadlines. I'm the one creating the projects. I'm the one setting everything up. And I'm the one who can create a more reasonable timeline, a more reasonable work schedule, right? Like I can do that. And so it's really interesting to sort of be solely responsible for how things are going to go and be faced with that. Like, okay, what are my tendencies in the absence of some other system or structure? So I, I feel you all on that. And then, you know, I really appreciate you all sharing your own stories and experiences. I think you know, Casey, so many people spend decades getting to where you got. And I'm sure you spent decades there. And the idea is I'll get there and then I'll feel good about myself. I'll feel at peace. I'm going to have all the things that society says I should have, that my family thinks I should have, that I believe I should have. And that's going to bring me to peace. And the way you highlighted that discord and that disconnect between the outside of seeming to have it all together and the inside of being like, I can't do, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't feel good. I think it's something that so many people experience. And it's something that I like to talk about to say, like, 
that isn't the external stuff. It isn't going to give you the peace that you want. It isn't going to give you the joy that you want. You actually have to go another route and you can still pursue that stuff if you want to, but let's not use that as a proxy for believing you're worthy, knowing the truth of who you are and embracing who you are holistically. And I also, you know, Katie, love your distinction between self-assuredness and and self-confidence. And I think there's sort of an internal external piece, right? It's like how you show up in the world when other people are around versus how you are with yourself when there aren't outside voices. And that really can be different. Um, And so I appreciate you pointing out sort of the nuances there. Yeah. And as you were talking there, you know, of those distinct moments where you say the outside versus the inside, it's really easy when you're in your like Zen little bubble to be like, I'm just gonna like, I know my worth and I'm going to be great. I'm going to sit here with my best friend and we're going to be on the couch. And then you get into a situation that is not this little bubble. You go for me this past weekend, I went back to, I'm from Virginia, went back home to visit family and they have not been present during the evolution of these changes. And so you go back into these environments, right? It's like when you go to a retreat or a conference, you're all jazzed when you're in this. Mm-hmm. And you go back to your immediate bubble or your immediate life. And it's like all of that out the window. You've retained 10%. And so for me over the past few years, it has been my ability to flex that muscle in triggering situations that help me see my progress. And it truly is a spectrum. I don't think there's, I think we would all be, um, remiss to say that self-worthiness, like there's a pinnacle of, it is this spectrum of relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, how we show up in one situation might be the very best we can do mm-hmm. and how we show up in another might be tenfold better, but that's also the best we can do in those moments. That to me is this like kindness and, you know, without sounding too like the journey or whatever, but like that to me is, is what I've learned is it's, in any given moment, doing the best we can and being kind to ourselves, that mm-hmm. self-worthiness to me and, um, and being forgiven. Because I think as somebody who very much falls into perfectionist tendencies, I have an idea of what that looks like. And I want to show up that in that perfect, flawless version everywhere. And I end up disappointed a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think too, with the external internal, I think about a few years back, I had a Say fuck on this fucking moment. That's the name of our show. (laughs) (laughs) So a moment like a critical eruption in my life, and uh, intuitively I knew that the right thing for me to do was move internationally, and um, and I felt that in my very core. I knew that Mm. it was the right thing. I I trusted my instincts, and um, and I put together an action plan to do just that. And everyone in my like. Uh, immediate surroundings or environment at that point in time questioned that mm-hmm. move um, and people that I care about very much. And it did, you know, for a moment I was like, am I, is this right? Like I second guess it and that's my confidence being shaken, but my intuition knowing exactly what I needed to do. And I followed through on that. But I think some of that, when we, we get re like, we don't get our reinforcements from yeah. society or from the people around mm-hmm. us or our community. That is when it can easily be shaken in a way where you have to like know. And I guess that's part of our creating it all. Like you have to choose yourself. You have to trust your intuition and, mm-hmm. and you know, listen to that voice inside. Yeah. I love all of that. I, when I talk about sort of 
self-worth and self-worth journey and embracing your unconditional self-worth, what I usually emphasize is that it's a new way of being with yourself, right? It is, it's sort of practices and ways of relating to yourself that do carry you through various situations, right? Because as you're saying, Casey, it's like, you might be in one space that's so affirming and so loving and you're grounded, or you might be in a space in your life or your career where the roles and identities are affirming that like you have something to contribute and then that might get taken away. You might lose a job, something might happen. And then that puts you into another space where you start to question and you're not affirmed in the same way. And so if we have these practices, if we have these ways of being, which self-kindness and forgiveness are some of the practices that I talk about, right? Mm -hmm. That equips us with sort of no matter where we are, what's going on, we can show up for ourselves with those tools, with those practices, with that way of being in a way that affirms that we're worthy no matter what is happening. Completely, completely. And I love that you use the word practice. That to me has been, we talk a lot about in our, in our world, our learnings are often our unlearnings that mm. we've been taught a lot of things. Like we have things that we're doing. It's just that we don't realize they do not serve us. Mm-hmm. And so the practice of it, it is, I've come to realize, I used to think that it was like, it was a trait like, oh, mm-hmm. either you have that or you do. And now what I've come to know in the same way of how you eat or how you move your body or the way you practice spirituality, or it is something you have to return to. And, you know, Katie mentioned international um, travel, like that is part of her practice, being able to test her limits, go into these foreign territories, not be comfortable that allows her to get to know herself better. And so it's only, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it's only with enough experience that you begin to look at what are the patterns that emerge in our lives. And so, you know, sometimes I, <clears throat> we have a dear friend who we, we have co-create a show with called Heartstorm. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we could save all these women from their own fuck it all moments? And she said, <laughs> why would you rob them of that? Mm. And that mm. to me is like, kind of like the secret of life or something. It's like, these are that, that is the essence of all of it is we have to learn something experience enough to know what doesn't work to then create what does. Mm-hmm. And there are tools and things we can set forth. I think about this a lot of a mother of a daughter, but she is going to have her own struggle, just like our parents had their own struggle. Mm-hmm. And the women a million years ago had their own, like that. I feel a lot less pressure, not thinking mm-hmm. that I have to fix it all. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel a lot more at peace to say, mm, that's not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of there's this, I think it's like a, it's a Buddhist like men, metaphor or story or uh, parable, some lesson. And it's like, okay, so you're walking around barefoot and you like, oh, this glass is getting my foot and this, oh, I'm stepping on this and twigs and nails and all these things and I'm getting hurt. And then you think I'm going to cover the world with leather. And it's like, well, or you put on shoes, right? Like you, you put on shoes, right? And I love that because it's like, you could find the tools, right? You can teach your daughter some practices and some tools that will help her navigate life's challenges, but they are not going to take it away. They're not going to cover the world with leather or with bubble wrap or, you know, make it so that she never bumps into anything or goes through anything because that is important sort of learning And you can say, okay, when this happens, here's how you show up for yourself. Here's how you navigate that, right? That's the shoes. 
Um, I love that. I've not heard that one and I'm stealing it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't make it up. So that's all right. you. You know, I also, I think it's so wonderful, Katie, that you're talking about your intuition because I think so many people struggle with that, right? This self-assuredness that you have, I think is incredibly powerful. And I think we can all tap into our intuition, but so many people struggle with doing that. And I think some of it is like a lack of self-trust, trusting other people over ourselves. But I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what helps you to tune into and listen and hear your intuition so powerfully. I think to be fair, like lots of times the narrative that comes around intuition, particularly for women, is it's so much a feeling and feeling can You're be, just being emotional. Yeah. Feeling mm. like that's too much or it's too much emotion or it's too, you know, um, illogical. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy in some cases, you know, and it's um, and it causes us doubt. And I think some of it has been maybe a gift from how I was raised. Um, my father actually is a very spiritual person mm. and, and I feel like he's always kind of had like an inner knowing mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, Casey always tells me that I have to like, say, you have a deep knowing, a deep knowing <laughs> that it's all going to be okay. Um, but I do think like we get very, very strong feelings and, and kind of almost signals to say like this way feels good. And this way doesn't feel good. And, I've always been very like attentive to that, mm-hmm. even since I'm younger. You know, I, I have a younger brother, but we're six and a half years apart. And so I and I grew up in the country. So um I spent just kind of a lot of time on my own. And I think being mm-hmm. able to like kind of tap into that as such like an independent child <laughs> and spending that time, I just got very comfortable with like sitting with my own thoughts and feelings. And and I think, you know, I trust them truly as a guide mm. and I have ignored them and paid the price. And so I think mm-hmm. so much of that is, you know, less and it's, it doesn't make it any less difficult to let go of things. Like I, I, we talk about the unlearning um, and Casey actually asked me, we did an exercise maybe like a year ago where it was like, write down, cause we were just in this like month of turmoil. And she was like, write down, mm. we have to be learning something right now. She was like, write down like everything you think you're learning. And I wrote down everything I think I'm not learning because mm. the same lessons keep being taught and I ignore them and move on. Mm. Um, and it's like, you know, I know that I have to let this go and I'm going to death grip it. And mm. I know that this is good for me, but I'm not going to do it. And mm. I know that I belong in this room, but here's my resume. And, mm. you know, it's just things like that mm. where it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thing that Katie has taught me is if something doesn't feel right, right. Feelings are for feeling. I think Glennon Doyle said that. And so as women, I I have been personally told since long as Maria, you're so sensitive. Oh my God, you're Mm -hmm. so hot. Like, and absolutely. There is a lot of Leo there and (laughs) let that freak flag fly. Right. Like I got a lot, but the same reason that that can be too much in some circles is the reason that makes me magic in some circles. Mm. And I think that's been really powerful to understand that, that if I feel too much, it's probably not the right place. Mm -hmm. And what Katie has taught me is the idea of feeling it, right? If something catches in your chest or if something like in your head just keeps coming and it physically manifests, she's saying stress on the other side. It's like, it comes out one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I have come, I mean, it is as stupid as sometimes I reach for the coffee mug. I'm like, oh, that one does not bring me joy. Like Marie Kondoing my life. Mm-hmm. And I grab the one that makes me feel happy. 
And it's following, I think that the narrative that I have heard, especially in business, especially, you know, coming from where I did and as far as education, it's going to be hard work and hard mm. means not going to be enjoyable. You better mm. freaking like bloody knuckle your way. And what mm. I have come to realize is that sometimes it is, and it is great to know what we are capable of, but it doesn't have to be painful to be good. Yeah. And it is only in seeing, it is only in trying it out, right? And like, mm. let's just take a period of time and let's just do only things that make us happy. And let's see where mm-hmm. it lands out. No, listen, we still have bills. We have mortgages. We have things like you have to find your, your sandbox to be able to try that. But if you, for instance, say something silly, like working out, I hate running. If every day I said I had to go run to work out, girl's never going to go work out. Mm-hmm. But if I say, what is the thing that like going for a walk with a friend makes me really happy? And that's the thing. What if I do that five days a week versus run once every six months? What is the, you know, and that's something so tangible that I think all of us can relate to, but do that in relationships, do that in how you spend your time, do that in the, you know, people you say yes to or no to. And that Mm. has been this year of me for me, because there's a lot of times I sit here and I look and say, well, this isn't working and it's not really fun. And I'm death gripping it. So let's just try another way because this is not sustainable. And I I think this this kind of talks back into like living your values at the end of the day. Like, I mean, Mm. like tapping into that intuition, like vulnerability is one of my, my top values and just really being like kind of open (laughs) to Mm. whatever those opportunities are. Um, and, and also community. And so like those people around me that empower me and, and I feel like in this, this last year, we've learned so much about what it really means to live your values mm-hmm. and how you spend your time. And is it something that's like really true to you? Are you finding joy in it? Or is this just, you're pushing a narrative that doesn't belong to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can sort of hold on to the, I think it's a lie that to be successful, you, you know, to make a lot of money, you got to grind and work hard and struggle, sort of like what you're saying, Casey. And often when we're doing that, we're misaligned with our values, right? As you're pointing out. And, you know, for me, so I left my job in um, the end of February, 2021 and started working for myself full time. And it literally, I was saying to my husband yesterday, I was like, this like aside from marrying him, this like the best move I have ever made. And in the last eight, nine months, I have made more money than I did in my last job. And I have worked less and I have been happier and I have used my gifts more. Right. Like, yes, yes. Like, you know, like, so it's like, it doesn't have to be hard. Like, and what if we tested this idea? And I love that, you know, you're mentioning experimenting, Casey, like, what if you tried it and allowed it to be easier, allowed it to flow or allowed yourself to trust the intuition, right? Like I had an intuition, like I need to leave, right? My body was telling me. And so it's like, if you trust that, you actually may be rewarded with some gifts that you might not have even imagined were possible because you allowed yourself to say, I'm going to trust and follow this and not the conventional wisdom that you got to follow these steps and this is the only way to be successful and whatever. Like, let's think about who that serves. So we can get into the whole thing of the patriarchy. We are not anti-men. We love men, but we are anti-patriarchy. And you think about 
work systems. We talk about women at home, mm-hmm. at work, and in their communities. If it is hard, that means if the message is it is hard, that means fewer people do it. It's mm-hmm. like somebody pat- patting you on the head and saying, "Trust me, this is really difficult." I think mm-hmm. of Elwood saying, "What? Like it's hard?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, yes, it is hard work, but we're not afraid of hard work. We yeah. know how to do things. But is it so hard that I don't also deserve and am not capable of it? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And so that is why when we started thinking about this, so um, similar to you in February, I left my full-time job in September of 2020, started a podcast. I started saying, what, what the heck does it even mean to have it all? What is that? Like, whose narrative was I? And there are a couple of truths that we have come to know. And I think this very much leads into the questions you're asking around self-worth is, one, we cannot be what we do not see. We need mm. more of these conversations around other women saying, just like you said, I used my gifts more. The work was more intuitive and organic and I made great money and I worked less and I was happy. We need to hear those because the mainstream mm-hmm. narrative is she sacrifices one for the other, right? Yeah. The definition of it all is this tension of work and family. Yeah, mm. That is the most common. The second is the only people telling the stories right now are not you and me. They are not mm-hmm. the Women have to be not only the main character, but also the authors and Mm. narrators of their story. Mm -hmm. Like that is something that we are realizing. And so we are, we are constantly in our own lives every day saying, Hey, check yourself. Is that the story that you would tell? Or is that the story somebody else is telling you? And Mm -hmm. we are to understand, like, I come from a consulting background. The five whys is one of the most powerful tools anybody can use. Just keep asking Mm. why. So why is work hard? Well, who would that serve? Understanding incentives. Mm. And as we've started to do this, these systems were not built by us or for us in a time period in which the modern woman exists. They were built post-World War II. They were built when women did not have education. Like, Mm -hmm. Foxy, I know I'm ranting a bit, but it's (laughs) like, you can start to see There is no wonder that we are having to unlearn because everything pushing us to this moment has been teaching us a singular message. So I, you may have to edit some of that out because I got, no, we don't need to edit any of it. But that (laughs) is what we've started. Like it started with a question. We stayed in our magic of saying we are really good at curating and facilitating conversation. And we're really good at understanding systems. Mm -hmm. And that is the place we've began to play and we didn't we don't know what that business looks like and had we listened to other people we would have stopped a long time mm. and instead mm-hmm. things are revealing themselves bigger than we could have ever dreamed up at a faster clip and that to me is like i love hearing the story of you saying more abundance has come to me in a shorter period of time by doing what feels right that to me is a signal saying just keep going just stay in yeah. where your power is and i'm i'm so grateful that you know, you're out here pushing that message. Mm-hmm. I think a story, this is like an example, and we use this a lot now because, you know, I, I re- more recent unlearning, but uh, Casey went through like, um, I guess a CEO kind of like course of sorts. And a women's CEO accelerator. Yeah. And, Sounds very official. Yes. And I was down in Florida at the time and she called me and she said, you know, they told me today, what would you be doing differently if you were playing to win instead of playing just not to lose? Mm. And so she was like, you know, 
we got to think about like what, you know, I'm thinking I'm a Capricorn. I'm like, I always play to win. What are you, what are you talking about? Um, but I'm also like, all right, I'll like, I'll write some of this down. Like we'll come up with like all these things that we need to do differently. And, and we were both just, you know, we were all about it. And then a couple of days passed and I was driving home and I got just like, I was in my head thinking about this. And I thought, what in the hell are we trying to win? What I was like, that is such a scarcity mindset. So I called her up and we, <laughs> she's like, no, we will not play into that narrative. <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing it. That's such an alternative. You know, that's mm. like, this is a competition. There's only a little bit of room mm. to pop. Like, you know, and this is, I was just like, that's not at all what we stand for. Um, we're about all rise and, mm-hmm. um, and bringing everybody with us, you know, on this, on this journey. So I was like, you know, if we win, who loses? And I'm not interested in playing that game at all. So I think, and, and it's even old language, you know, it's around like a sports analogy or mm-hmm. a war analogy of sorts. And so again, this is like a very masculine society type of link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting. I think that's such a good point, right? It's like, can you believe there's room for everyone? Can you believe that if you succeed, that does not take away from anyone's success? We're not in a zero sum game. And I think often sort of this tension of having it all for women particularly is, well, can you have this and this? Or do you, if you want this, do you need to sacrifice that, right? If you want, you know, kids, do you need to sacrifice career? If you want career, do you need to sacrifice partnership? If you want that, you know, there's all these sort of, sacrifices, right. That are sort of built in because there's a sense of scarcity. And I'd love for you all to sort of just talk a little bit more about why you think it's so important for women to define their own it all. Why that's such a powerful thing, not to just sort of buy into society's messages of like, you can have this, but not that, or if you're going to have it all, you're going to be stressed and overwhelmed at all times. Um, you know, and, and why you're really encouraging us to redefine this for ourselves. Um, I think when we first started, one of the things that Casey said early on was the best compliment you give a woman shouldn't be that she's selfless. Mm. And I think that so much of it is, you know, women have this duality of being in so many places and showing up and they're expected to bring 100%, you know, and it's that, like she said, the tension between career and, and at home and, um, and even how we serve in our communities, we're expected to volunteer and be the CEO and have kids and, you know, and, and so, be like the best mom and, like, and don't miss anything. Yeah. And I mean, um, or be a mom that's yeah. even like, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we just, we have so many expectations and we give so much of ourselves to each, I think, facet of our lives and to the community and people around us, um, that as, as we're kind of doling out our, our energy and pieces of ourselves, what's left, but to just listen, you know, these narratives and we're just living up to an expectation that like we didn't write. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so taking back the ownership, being the main character and the author of our story and saying like, this is what's going to serve me Mm -hmm. best. And I think it was so beautiful when you said that I am actually using more of my gifts I think when women actually are in a place where they are set up to succeed and they have empowering people around them and mm-hmm. they are their best version of themselves because they're choosing their way forward, that is when their gifts are really like, I mean, that's when they come yeah. and, and just, you know, they're flourishing. And I think we can only bring those best versions of ourselves, be that what it may, when we are thriving, not just surviving. Yeah. yeah. There's 
around the idea of defining it. So first of all, I have to laugh. And I, I use this anytime we do like any sort of group. If I were to say to a man, you can have it all. <laughs> I get exactly. He would say, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> and the fact that we as women have to, it's like the person that's not funny telling you they're funny. If you have mm. to tell somebody, that means it's probably not true. And so me being like, I can have it all. What, what is that? And so mm. that to me is like the fact that we're already imposed on there is, there is some sort of equation you're trying to get to. And this has been a really recent unlearning is I used to think about myself as I was over here and I was serving all of these buckets at life, at home and community. And I was giving out, giving out, giving out. And then at the end of the day, we'd look and say, hmm, what's left? And then I'd be like, oh, self-care. I'm going to do a face mask because that's mm. going to like <laughs> make me feel so in my power. And then mm-hmm. 12 hours later, I'm like CBD gummy, CBD gummy, CBD gummy. <laughs> and then what I realized, and this has really been a shift, is the world, I am not the, the stilts that hold up the world. I am the center of this world, of my mm. world. And I have to figure what holds me up. What does mm. my health and wellness look like? What do my friendships and relationships look like? What does a partnership look like? What does motherhood look like? Should that be something you choose? And that I had to realize like, what were the components that made Casey not what was all the buckets that Casey was giving to? And it's that shift. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, us thinking the earth was the center of the solar system and then realizing Mm -hmm. the sun, that is how pivotal this has been to me of reframing that. And so when I think about, when we think about, the earth being the center, we're buying into everybody's old narrative, right? Uh, There is some all, you're going to work really hard. Women are the most educated they've ever been. You're going to have this family, blah, blah, blah. And the shift to me is really to say, that's great to know I have options, can have it all and must have it all are two different things. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to become the center of this. And what makes me fulfilled, what makes me joyful, what makes me financially abundant, because we, the world we live in finances absolutely are a part of that. How do you make sure you have options and control? And so what's the biggest thing I think is, you know, there's this message of competition amongst women, even the idea of having it all right. It means I have the inverse of all is none. So Mm -hmm. language becomes really important. And I think the biggest gift is you can probably hear in Canadian I stories, Our lives, upbringings, experiences are very different, but yet we can look at each other and say, I'm so happy you have your all. Mm -hmm. And our, what we've come to think of is how can we model that? Because right now there's not a lot of models of women and people out there saying, I look and respect and love your all. It's different than mine. Mm -hmm. It's not a statement of mine or yours being good or bad. And that I think is one thing that has been born from this, that if we could, you know, we are very much walking this journey and this process and it is a daily struggle, but if we can model what that might look like, maybe that helps other people, you know, you can't be what you don't see that mm-hmm. yeah. be something here. And we find that when you step into this ownership, right, this is your podcast. Like when you begin to own that, you, it's a virtuous cycle. You can't help but want to shine that light and bring others along. Mm-hmm. And that to me is something so innately feminine. I won't even say women, and, but women, but just feminine in nature of this idea of like giving life and like mm-hmm. light. That to me is what we collectively as women have just such an incredible power. And should we tap into that? I, I don't think there is anything like, I think we will be the safe, like we will save the world. 
Like that mm. is we have a saying, like we will save the world. Why? Because we birthed it. And mm. that is like the energy that we're hoping to bring is just saying like, you're not crazy. You're not too much. And like, you, you are all should, if you can dream it, it's yours to have. Yeah. Well, I think even encouraging women to slow down enough to ask what is, what is it that I want? Because I do think that even in the societal version of it all can be achieving that can be another way to sort of prove your worth. I've got to have the career. I got to have a partner. And if you're going by society standards, I got to have a male partner and I got to have kids and I got to, you know, and my house has to look this way. My car has to look like so. And that sort of having it all based on societal norms and standards And so I think even sort of suggesting you may want some of those things, you may not. Can you ask yourself the question of what truly lights you up, what fulfills you, what brings you joy, when are you most alive, right? And then guiding women to even think about, let's, again, put aside these ideas of what it means to be successful or worthy based on societal norms and just really tune into what would light you up and what would bring you joy? And then how do you go about making that happen for yourself? I think is really empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the world can be so loud (laughs) and we get so few opportunities to kind of take a step back and even spend a week with ourselves to say like, is this, am I living my values in general? And like, I sadly, what we found so much through our podcast is that there's generally like, a moment in time or a catalyst um, that causes people to actually ask the question. They hit a breaking point or mm-hmm. tragedy strikes or COVID happens or, you know, something that it's an external, you know, force that kind of makes them uh, allow themselves or give themselves the permission to ask, am, am I living my values? Am I doing what I want to do? Is this the life I want for myself? Yeah. And, you know, I think of when we can sort of own our worthiness, it often frees us up to ask those questions because I think what I know is true for me. I think it's true for a lot of people. We spend so much time and energy trying to prove our worth. And when that's the mode we're in, it's very hard to stop and pause and say, do I even want this? You know, Is this even really where I want my life to go? And I wonder how you all think about that, right? Like how you think about sort of women owning their worthiness and also, you know, being empowered to figure out what it is they truly want for their lives. So much. I think it's like starting to have these conversations, like starting to say that this is like, I mean, just even giving like the vocabulary for women to realize that this is the kind of environment that like we're existing in, you know, and and sometimes I think you have to have enough experience like kind of out in the world to see like what it is that you want, um, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. But, you know, I think it's it's having these conversations and sharing stories about people that are doing it differently, that are succeeding doing it differently, that are finding joy um, and just making sure that those narratives are heard loud and clear and that it represents all, all sorts of people across the spectrum, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we, so 
first we started with what does it mean to have it all? And then we said, okay, well, having it all, that's really like an action, right? Like creating and having. Mm. Well, how do I know what my all is? And just like you were asking, so there's three stages, so to speak, of the Mm. practice. The first is define. I can't go create something that I don't know what it is, right? It's Mm -hmm. like me being like, I want dessert. Okay, well, what kind? Like, do you Mm -hmm. want chocolate? Do you want fruit? Like, you have to be able to name that. And so, so much of what we have done over the past, you know, year in conversations with ourselves, conversations with women is understand one of the questions we ask consistently is when my power is shaken, I, Mm. and almost always the woman says, I go inward. Mm. And so there are moments in which the only choice is to shut everything else out and listen. Mm -hmm. And what we are hoping is that there can be a practice around that. Sometimes Mm. it's five minutes. Sometimes it's just checking in a fleeting moment. Sometimes it's a week of solid, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But it's saying that because the narrative around women is selflessness, giving, 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 just like the giving tree, right? Um, If I have nothing else to give, I can't. And so Mm -hmm. it is recognizing when that is happening. We're not perfect at it. We screw it up all the time and that's life. And that's good that we're learning what our limits are. So defining is the first part. Then it's creating it. So if I can Mm. visualize what that is, I can name it. What might be some steps I take? And recognizing it's not a switch that we're flipping overnight. What is the sandbox that you begin to test? And then you build that muscle and then you own it. So define, create, own. Mm. And then this is the giant asterisk there at the end. Look at the bottom of the page is... You will do this again and again and again. Mm. And the minute that you Mm. figure out your home life, your work life's going to start messing up. The minute work life is situated, parents are going to get crazy. (laughs) And it's this idea that there is no end state. And for me, as somebody that was achiever, perfectionist, Mm. I thought I was working towards something. Mm -hmm. And it really, it it's the day to day, right? It's the, it, the live, like I was so busy building a life. I wasn't living one. That's the mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. that to me is what this has been. And, um, I think that the more we make it okay to say what you wanted today may look different in a week or mm-hmm. a year or a month from now. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you failed. That just means yeah. you your mind and the kindness that we give other people, the, the, you know, oh, wow, it's so brave. It's so courageous. We, we don't give that to ourselves. Yeah. And so that to me is like, that's the work of our, our lives is both internally. How do we do that? And then how do we hold space for others to do it? And I think that we are seeing a wave, a wave of people right now, just like you, just like us, like that are saying like, Hey, we see another way. And this may not be the only way, but it's mm-hmm. a way. And I'm going to just carve out a little space and you guys can come stop in, you know, our neighborhood and see how it feels, try it on, take what works for you. I don't think it's by accident that there's this swell of people questioning right now. And we say we're for the women with a restless discontent and a bias, Mm. a restless discontent for something more and a bias to create it. Mm. And that to me is like, it's that action piece that I think is really powerful when it comes to to the all. Yeah, I love that. So define it, create it, own it. Remember that this is an iterative process. It's a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, helping people to orient to the process more than the destination is so important. 
because yeah, it's like, what are you racing towards? Mm -hmm. You know? And did you enjoy that run? Right. And I use the metaphor of hiking a lot, maybe because I grew up in California, but it's, it's such a good one, right? Because you might go on a hike and there'll be some stretches of the hike that you're like, this is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And look at the flowers and the sun and, oh, and there's some stretches of the hike where you're like, it's hot. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. When are we, you know, like, what is it going to be getting, you know, and all of that happens usually in the same hike. And if you were to hike up that mountain with your head down and I got to get to the top, I got to get to the top. I got to get to the top. I got it. Right. You could miss all of it. Right. You could miss the beauty and the joy and the smells and the sights and, and the challenges too, and how you grow through kind of moving through those challenges. And so it's like, if we can orient towards life less as we're running to a destination and more as we're enjoying the process of living, it feels so much better. And it's so much easier not to get caught up in judging ourselves. And we're not at the point right now where like, you know, people can turn sort of anything into an achievement. And that I often caution people with that, with like my practices, because you're it's like, okay, self-compassion isn't like, did I, did I do self-compassion? Did I check it off the box? It, you know, it's like, that's not the point. Yep. And the same with like, define it, create it, own it, right? You could get people like, okay, I've got to create it right now. Now that I know that I want to do it, I've got to create it now really quickly. And, and it's like, whew, you know, yeah. what if you were to enjoy the process of creation yeah. and the playfulness and the creativity and the generativity and really embody that space and the confusion and the frustration and all of that. And, you know, what if that were to feel so exciting and joyful and not just the owning it or not just the I'm finished. I did it. Look at it. Do you think it's pretty? Totally. You, you just gave depth to a cliche. And I think that's the thing that so often I know myself, I dismiss, like, it's about the journey, not the destination. It's like, that's a bumper sticker somewhere. You're not living my life with a toddler and I blah, 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 blah. And what I have come to realize and what I think you just really beautifully articulated is we need depth to some of these things, right? We need to flesh them out. We need to give them some, some tangibility because when we hear that so fleeting, it's like, ah, that's for people that have, have it easy. Mm-hmm. People that have already made it. That's what you say when you make X, like, and I, I think that that's what we have to, we have to practice ourselves and screw up a lot. Right. Like yeah. I daily have to say, well, when we started this, when we started this business back in January, um, because we are like, we are both so achiever mindset and it's just like, how fast can we turn and burn and get this out mm. for, and what limits can we push ourselves to? the phrase that we always come back to is don't rush what you want to last forever. And I think that is part of just enjoying that journey, enjoying the process of what we're building and making sure that we're very intentional in each, in each part of that process. And we recently heard someone say journey is so overused. Like you guys should use the word path. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and we thought, yeah, but path is like, that's what you walk on. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that might be the road there, but it's not the experience. And Mm -hmm. um, I think those are two, two different things. And as you were saying, the experience is like where it's at. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's so true. And I, you know, even I hear what you all felt when you started your business, I felt similarly, I think partly because 
we're in an achievement oriented culture and it's so easy to look at sort of the leaders in the online, you know, business world and be like, they're making this much. They're serving this many people like, you know, and you're like, I got to do this on my first launch and my first, you know, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. And it does really take reminding of like, Hey, like, this, I try to remind, like, you're in your first year of business. You're just starting. You're learning how to do this. This is part of the experience and part of the process because it can be so easy to look at somebody 10 years in, you know, or more and be like, I should be just, you know, just like them without oh, yeah. realizing Perfect. that, first of all, you may not want to be just like them. Right. And second of all, it is the process of learning that's so powerful. And I love that phrase that you shared, uh, Katie, why rush something that you want to last a lifetime or forever? I don't remember which one you use, but it's so powerful. It's such a grounding reminder that you don't have to rush through it, that we're not in a race to the finish line, that there isn't scarcity and that things will happen when they're meant to so often. Easier. Well, oh, go ahead. Yes. That's why we need reminders. We need yeah. reminders. <laughs> well, I am so appreciative of you all taking the time to come on the podcast and to just share so honestly and openly. I really have enjoyed this conversation with both of you. And I know that people are going to want to know how to connect with you further, how to learn more about all that you're doing in the world. So will you share how people can connect on social media, website, podcast, all of those things. Absolutely. Itallmedia.co, now C-O, not com. And then on Instagram, we are at itallpodcast. That's easy to find us there. And then wherever you get your podcast, that's Apple, Spotify, and everywhere in between. It's the fuck it all podcast. I know we do say the F word, but I promise it's, uh, there's a lot more depth than just the swear word. Um, so yeah, itallmedia.co at it all podcast on Instagram and the fuck it all podcast, wherever you listen. Awesome. Well, thank you all so very much. This was such a rich conversation and I know the listeners will get a whole lot out of it. Thank, thank you, you for all. having us. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Such a wonderful way to, to wrap our day. Awesome. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com, and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Waterboy.